Gallagher. Many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores! Hey, everybody. It's Bryn Griffiths along with Robin Brownlee. This is podcast number 12. It's hard to believe it's 12, but that's exactly where we stand. And Robin, how are you doing today? I'm excellent. Are you sure it's 12? Yeah, you know, last week I wasn't completely sure, but we did a bit of a count back. And uh, yeah, it was 11 last week. So this one is absolutely 12. I'm absolutely convinced it's 12. I'm almost at the point where I don't want to count anymore. Because what's the point? Let's just say it's another exciting edition of Stampede Wrestling. Or oh. uh, the uh, sorry, the Outsiders. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Just went down the Ed Whalen road there. My good stamp. Yeah. A ring-a-ding-dong dandy. Yeah. A dozen, huh? Uh, Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. Lots to talk about today. The Ottawa Renegades decided to part ways with their head coach, Rick Campbell, over, uh, over the weekend. I guess I'm not surprised at the fact that something had to give there because the franchise just had a horrible season. We're just awful this year under Rick Campbell. And especially, you know, it's not lost on me that uh, there's a bit of a quarterbacking situation in Ottawa this year where there wasn't last year when Trevor Harris was still there. But I uh, I guess I'm surprised that Rick Campbell decided to walk away. Does that surprise you at all? You know what? It's a tough read. I was going to say, as you said, the Ottawa uh, Red Blacks decided to part ways with Rick Campbell. Did I say Renegades, by the way? Oh, I don't know. I, w- I don't listen. I think I said. I think. <laughs> I think I said the Ottawa Renegades. I can't believe that I said that. You're right. It's the Red Blacks. It is the Red Blacks. Renegades. But I was thinking. I wonder if it's more a case of Rick Campbell deciding to part ways with the Red Blacks. Yeah. So, if that's going to happen, usually somebody doesn't just walk away unless they've got something else planned. Exactly. Yes. A place to land. Now, there's been a lot of talk about they're not happy in Vancouver. Been a lot of talk they're not happy in Edmonton, although the Eskimos are in the playoffs, first round anyway. And a lot of us have talked about what is it going to take for Jason Moss to retain his status as head coach of the Eskimos. There's a lot of landing spots, potential landing spots for uh, Rick Campbell, but it just, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, you know what? Clay Brooks isn't going anywhere in BC uh, right I agree now, with is, you there. is my sense of things. And, you know, uh, I was reading Ed Hervey was, was given a two-year extension prior to this season. I don't recall that being out there as news. I haven't followed it up to see if that is indeed fact. But if Ed Hervey's in for two more years... He's not going to uh, punt Devon Claybrooks uh, after a difficult season. Sometimes it goes that way. I don't think Devon Claybrooks got stupid overnight, so no. I would expect he's back as well. As for other landing spots, everything's open. If you don't win, everything's open. Yeah. So, um, you know, you see, the, you see Edmonton thrown out there. I mean, the Eskimos are going uh, to the East Semi against Montreal, We've said, other people have said, 
what does Jason Moss need to do? What do the Eskimos need to do uh, for Moss to keep his job? Can they go to that East Semi, lose, and call it good? I don't think so with Jason Moss. I agree. But until they actually play the game, uh, let's not put Jason Moss on a rail out of town. I'm a believer if he doesn't get to the Grey Cup, he's done here. So, I don't know. We'll see. We're putting two and two together. And while we might come up with four, you know, we'll have to check in with A.J. Jakubik from TSN 1200 in Ottawa. He was the guy who broke the story on the Monday morning. And so, I mean, we'll uh, we'll just see where we go with that. Let's, uh, let's get to some hockey talk here as well. Edmonton Oilers seem to be... Hanging in there pretty good. I, last week, we thought they were starting to falter just a little bit. But, you know, a win in Pittsburgh over the weekend that – and it's funny, I think Brian Berg said it was a disaster waiting to happen. They just – I didn't think that they played particularly well. But I'll tell you who played great was their netminder, Mike Smith. And the bottom six guys were more solid – Colby Cave, where did he find such speed <laughs> busting down the right wing and coming and to the net? And hands. Good for him. And uh, and then it was the Leon Dreisaitl show in overtime. He just, uh, amazing. He's having a great year. But it, they're still finding ways to win games. These are games they would have easily lost last season, Robin. They weren't very good on that road trip, to be honest, Bren. When you need 51 saves to win a game, and yes, the goaltender is part of the team. I get that. But what impresses me most, Bryn, is the way Mike Smith is playing. The numbers are really good. He's at, he, he's now at, what, 931, I think, he's as a save percentage. He's not going to maintain that. But when I watch him play, and I, I think I've mentioned it before, what gets me about Smith is there's no indication that the tank is empty. He's 37 years old now. And I'm not talking about his form, uh, the technical part of the game. That matters. You need to stop the puck. But he battles. He fights for every inch of ice. He fights for every puck. That's not a guy playing out the string, um, signing a contract to pick up a couple extra two million bucks uh, here before he heads out the door into the sunset. He's come here. He talked after that game about at my age and at this time in my career, I need to be a leader. And they're getting a hell of a lot of leadership out of the goal crease. And sometimes the first thing you want, stop the puck. Anything else is a bonus. Well, right now, Smith is not only stopping the puck, as is Miko Koskinen, yep. but he's providing some extra oomph, and I didn't see that coming. I was wrong about him. I thought he was done. I had questions about the net mining coming in, and they have been answered thus far. I also had questions about the bottom six. I still have some questions about that, regardless of the Colby Cave dash down the right side. And I also had some concerns about special teams. I got to say, the special teams, the power play has been solid when it's had to be. You don't have to be great on the power play, but you need to score power play goals at the right time. Yeah. And the other thing is the penalty kill has been sensational. I think the penalty killing has been great. So they've solved two of their three problems thus far, and there's a reason why they are where they are in the standings. If they can find a way now to get through to the U.S. Thanksgiving at the end of November and be in the same position that they're at, then really all I have to do is maintain 500 hockey or 600 hockey, and they're in the postseason, which a lot of people would not have predicted. I consider this a throwaway season myself. I pegged them, I think, uh, at 83 to 85 points, which makes them 
a non-playoff team. By 10 points, right? And they've had fast starts before. Uh, Oiler fans have had the football pulled away from them before. (laughs) Uh, So we'll wait and see. But I'm as impressed about how they're winning uh, as the, you know, more than that they're winning because for the most part, they've played really good hockey. They've leaned on the goaltending a little bit too much. I want to say in three games, you know, they've had 50-plus uh, shots twice that I recall, and both w- both times were Mike Smith. You're going to have those. If, if you cut down on those and don't rely on fantastic goaltending, uh, you're going to be okay. I just like... Uh, the pace they're playing at. I like their special teams. And it doesn't really surprise me that uh, Dave Tippett is pulling all the right strings for now. We're going to check in with Gene Principe from Sportsnet coming up as well on our podcast today and maybe get Gene's spin on what's going on with the Oilers. And also I'd like to find out a little bit more about Gene because people just don't know enough about where Gene came from and what his style and how it developed uh, is all about. So we can get into that as a little bit as well. Uh, anyway, as for the Edmonton Oilers, I'm with you. And the other thing too, the games they've lost, I felt they lost to teams that were absolutely desperate for wins and played even harder. So, hey, we, here we are. We're into the month of November. We'll see how things shake down over the next three to four weeks. Calgary Flames, the Flames, I know that they lost in Washington. It was a tough matchup, but I thought they played well in that game. I thought Cam Talbot played well in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, it's David Riddick is uh, the guy. He's their go-to guy. I'm a little concerned they might burn him out by the time we get to the month of February. But we'll see how things work out with uh, with the Flames over the next little while. There was a, a, an episode, and it was a two-game suspension for Milan Lucic for the a sucker punch. And and I'll just give you my quick take on that whole episode. I didn't like the sucker punch. But I do not blame Milan Lucic for getting involved in that altercation to begin with because I'm getting sick and tired of watching players constantly abuse the goalies after whistles. In other words, poking and prodding. They, they, they may see a loose puck we're not seeing, Robin, and I'll give you that. But for the most part, I think that the referees have got to be a little more aggressive when it comes to the whistle if the puck is in the pads and guys are hacking and whacking away. Uh, just, uh, I'm, I'm more old time hockey. I'll give you that. I don't like sucker punches, but I have no trouble at all with Milan Lucic moving into a situation like this and saying, okay, look, enough is enough. You know, I can't agree. Bryn, that's a horseshit play by Milan Lucic. This oh, is the whole thing or just a sucker punch, the sucker punch, you know, Milan, we know Milan Lucic, he'll drop the gloves. It's not about a sneaky player or a weaselly player. Milan Lucic is as tough as they come. He can look anybody eyeball to eyeball, square up, drop the gloves, and do just fine. We've seen that for a decade now in this league. I don't like the play. I don't know what the player saw, if he saw a bit of the puck, if he took a dig at it. I don't like uh, swipes at the goaltender, uh, but a poke at the pads. Hey, you want to go behind the net and loop around the net like Lucic did and shove the guy into the boards and give him an earful? That's one thing. When you've got your fist cocked inside uh, your glove and you hit him on the button, that's a chicken shit play in my books. And it, it, is, no, it is out of character for Milan. But you know what? When you look back, over the years, if you if you YouTube Milan, 
He's done this a time or two, and I don't like it. The goaltenders are not free game. I don't like that term because that's the other end of the spectrum. Right. But if And I don't want to see them get run. But a tap on the pads, like I say, we don't know if, if the player saw some rubber there. It wasn't a poke or one of these plays where you see a guy try and shove the whole goaltender into the net. or That's fall, a Matthew Kachuk play. Yeah, or fall, yeah exactly. Or you follow through where you don't bother to try and stop and you knock the crap out of the goaltender. You knock him into the back of the net. This was a tap on the pads. You come in, you engage the player. Milan can handle this guy every day of the week. You don't come in and hit him on the button when he's not ready. Okay, a couple of highs and lows here. So obviously the Oilers are playing well. The Calgary Flames are playing well. The Vancouver Canucks, wow, are playing very well. Their goal differential is uh, is growing. It's uh, It's been very impressive, not only the way they have played in their own zone, but the way they have played up front. They are having no trouble scoring goals at all, and they seem to be getting goal scoring for a lot of different people. So am I surprised at Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver up where they are? Yes. Am I surprised by the Los Angeles Kings and the San Jose Sharks for where they are? No, I'm not surprised by the Kings, but I've been a little bit caught off guard by the Sharks. You know what? They were... A, you, you get that. When you're a, a good team for as long as the San Jose Sharks have been that happens if you don't you know if you don't take it to the house so to speak yeah they were a hundred point team you just oh sharks are good you know and then after the joke after a while became yeah except if you take them for the playoffs you're going to lose your pool uh they proved that to be true now they've gone through a lot if you look at the roster from pick a year six seven years ago not many of those names remain the secondary guys came up, but now you've got guys who are older. You know, the whole thing about, you know, Patrick Marlowe wanting to go back and that. You can't go back. I mean. Well, that's pretty obvious at this point. I don't know why. <laughs> I, 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 he, unless he ran back purely for the cash. No, he, uh, Patrick Marlowe but That's doesn't. not his kind of guy. I, uh, that's not how I see him. Familiarity, a place he played. It's It's got to be a terrific place to live. I, I used to love going to San Jose. You know, I'm not surprised by them, uh, really. I didn't think they would. I mean, right now, they're the dregs. But, you know, I, I thought they were on the elevator going the wrong way. Los Angeles doesn't surprise me. Uh, I knew uh, Todd McClellan was going to have his work cut out there. Uh, it, it just wasn't a very good team uh, at all last year, and I didn't expect them to be any better this year. So those two uh, don't really surprise me. If you want to talk about surprises, Bryn, you can give me your thoughts on it. Uh, I And this may seem too easy for fans of the Edmonton Oilers because uh, it's they absorb a, a lot of commentary uh, from out past the Great Lakes. I look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, what they're spending on players, and yes, it's early, but 7-5-3 uh, as of today for 17 points is distinctly underwhelming. I'm a little surprised, and I know that the pressure is starting to uh, mount in the big smoke. I, I just haven't liked their work ethic. It just seems to me like they worked harder last year. I don't know. Everybody's got a different take on it, and that's fine. You're entitled to yours. You're entitled to yours. You're entitled to yours. But to me, every time I watch them, I think they could be a little harder on the puck 
they they seem to be wanting the puck to always come out front so they can capitalize. Well, somebody's got to get it out there. I I I haven't. I've looked at the goaltending and I'm thinking, okay, the goaltending last year was lights out great, mm-hmm. but this year it's been okay. But I don't know. There's just something missing there. I'd have to watch a lot more of their games to be able to come up with any kind of assessment on my part. But every time I watch, I think, you know, they could work a little harder. And I just, I think the work ethic seems to be missing a little bit this year. I don't know. Leaf fans out there, you're more than welcome to drop us a note if you want. Maybe you've got a suggestion. I don't need you to drop me a note to tell me that I'm out to lunch or that I'm an idiot. (laughs) I need you to drop me a note and tell me exactly why you think they are struggling a little bit or are they struggling? Were expectations too high? Is it only October and into early November? I don't know, Robin, but something just doesn't seem right there. Well, they've got all the talent in the world. Uh, I'll give the Maple Leafs that. And I know today's game is about talent and about speed, and that's the way teams have tried to go. I wonder if there's a highly uh, unscientific word here. I wonder if they've got enough jam. That's my doubt about them. Jam. We pulled the jam line out. You're right. I, I just They are a very talented, very skilled hockey club, but you've got to have a few mixed guys who want to get in there and mix it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I look back at the – oh, man, I can't believe I'm doing this. Okay, I'm going back to the the Oilers of the 80s. Come on. And, uh, yeah, they had all the skilled guys, right? But it, it was not until they started to find some jam guys or some guys who could play other roles that the team truly did come together. I, You know, I just uh, – they made a trade back with Winnipeg for a guy named Willie Lindstrom. Willie was a talented, talented player – but he could check with the best of them, but he could also contribute a little bit offensively. Great role player for that team. Ken Lindsman was another guy they brought in, another guy who was just a pain in the ass to play against, could win a face-off draw if you had to, but he wasn't going to be a Mark Messier or a Wayne Gretzky or Yari Curry, any of those guys. He was another big role player. Mm-hmm. You need role players to go with these skilled guys, and maybe that's, maybe that's a problem with the Leafs right now. I guess we'll find out. It's, like I said, early November, and there's a long way to go. But you don't want to – we've often talked about the fact you don't make the postseason by what you do in October and November, but you can lose a playoff spot if you play crummy or shitty in the months of October and November. So we'll watch carefully over that. Okay, we're running tight on time here. A.J. Jakubik from TSN 1200 coming up. Going to find out what's happening in Ottawa. Gene Principe from Sportsnet coming up. He's a hot dog. Yes, and we'll explain exactly why we say that. That'll be coming up, and we'll kind of wrap up the show. But lots going on, so keep it right here. You're listening to The Outsiders. It's Bryn Griffiths and Robin Brownlee. I chatted with A.J. Jakubik from TSN 1200 on Sunday night, and then on Monday morning we get the news that Rick Campbell is departing. Now, Rick said some interesting things on his way out the door today, and in a conversation with A.J. and the rest of the guys at TSN 1200 today, he made these remarks. No, I mean, it's something that's obviously a quite a big decision to make in my life, just the way things are set up, is because I'm I live here and I have a house here and live in the community and stuff so um it's causing you know more than one change as far as uh as far as i go and so um it was just a deal where um 
it was just, I just think it's the right thing to do. And uh, um, I really hope, I hope going forward that uh, um, the Red Blacks keep going and I don't have, uh, have ill will. I just, uh, um, just wasn't the right fit. Wow. AJ Jakubik joins us from the nation's capital. The comments, it just wasn't the right fit, and some of the comments he's made over the past, oh, 24 hours. AJ, where do we even start with this today? Yeah, great question. Uh, great to be with you guys. Uh, you're glad the uh, glad the podcast is doing well, sounding great. Uh, so uh, uh, just, uh, yeah, I wanted to start there because always great uh, being back uh, with, with some hometowners. But uh, stunning day for me. Um, Usually you kind of see this coming, like, I'll be honest, the, the soccer coach, um, you know, Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group, they, they've got three different teams, Ottawa 67s, Ottawa Fury FC, and, and the Ottawa Red Blacks, and, you know, they, they let go of the soccer coach last week. I, I saw that coming a mile away. You know, mid-season, I, I saw that coming uh, a mile away. But with, with this one... Um, caught me off guard a little bit. I, I knew there was probably a little bit of tension between coach and GM that that's going to happen, uh, in, in a season when you're three and 15 and, and a bad three and 15 as well. I mean, they've just been non-competitive, uh, the second half of the season. Uh, but I, I, I really didn't think that we'd see one of them depart. I, I thought we'd, we'd see both of them back. That's certainly what Oseg wanted was to have, Marcel and Rick back for another season, just given what they'd accomplished together, uh, you know, basically unprecedented success over the last 40 years in this market. You know, I'm 44 years old. I remember the 1981 Grey Cup, and it had been nothing but bad when when you talk about Ottawa football from that point on, from the riders of the 80s and, and the 90s to, you know, you look at the Gleibermans part one and Horn Chan and drafting a dead guy and, Everything that went on with Ottawa football, it was all bad. And then the Renegades came back, and and they were bad. And they were bad on the field and, and bad off the field. And the Gleibermans part two and, and the Waters group and Mardi Gras and people flashing, you know, for 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 tickets and, and, and that sort of thing. So it was just it – was, it was utter craziness. And to see the type of stability that – this group led by, you know, Marcel Desjardins and Rick Campbell brought to Ottawa. And, and, and then of course the success that they had on the field in a, in a four year span, only Calgary and Edmonton won more games from 2015 to 2018. Um, three great cup appearances, one great cup victory, the first, you know, professional championship that this city has won in 40 years. So to see it go off a cliff like it has this year, um, you know, surprised me. I thought they might take a step back yeah. when you lose the type of talent that they did. But I, I certainly didn't see them winning three games. And and in the manner that they did, um, you know, losing 14 of 15 and getting blown out by Toronto and BC the way they did the second half of the year. So, yeah, I, I can understand why Oseg would want to bring Marcel and Rick back and give them another chance to get it right. But unfortunately, uh, you know, it's pretty obvious that, uh, you know, this was something that Rick Campbell just needed to do for himself personally. And, um, so yeah, on on to the next. Well, AJ, I got to say before Robin jumps in here with a question, 
I had such a flashback to the old days off the top of our podcast today. I actually call them the renegades before I corrected myself. So I'm hoping we're not going to go back down that road. But Robin and I have been following very closely what's been happening here, Robin. It's been uh, it's a bit of a shocker, I'd have to say. Yeah, well, AJ, we, like Bryn said, we listened to the, the interview you did with Rick. The emotion in his voice was obvious. I think he took the high road in the classy way. He wasn't too specific. You mentioned, you know, friction between uh, the GM and coach possibly. To me, from the outside, it looks like a flat-out disconnect there. Uh, what can you talk about the relationship between uh, Campbell and Desjardins? Yeah, honestly, basically the stuff that, that we heard today, that that's kind of it because I think, you know, Rick's the kind of guy who keeps his cards close to his chest. I, I can tell you this, both within the organization and throughout the CFL, no one saw this coming. Like, there, there's, there's rumors everywhere, like in terms of Mike O'Shea going to Toronto and Kahari Jones then going to Winnipeg and who's going to go to Montreal and, you know, what's going to happen in Edmonton. But you, you talk to you know, some of the most plugged in people in the CFL and no one really saw this coming. I mean, Rick Campbell's not the kind of guy, I mean, Hey, if you, if you got, uh, if you got a secret, go to Rick because you know, he, he's, he's going to take that to the grave. So, um, it, it wasn't really kind of out there. There was really no sense again, that, uh, that there was a disconnect o- over the course of the season between coach and GM. And when you travel with, with a team. I mean, sometimes you can see and experience things, but certainly I didn't see or experience anything uh, along those lines. So I just expected, yeah, I, oh, you're three and 15. There's going to be some disagreements for sure. But um, beyond that, uh, you know, nothing that I would have seen or experienced. So I, I think the one troubling thing that you heard is just the fact that, you know, Rick mentioned both in his press conference and in his interview with us on TSN 1200, just that, you know, he was concerned that too many people had left the organization with a bad taste in their mouth. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that that's something that has to be straightened out going forward. And, and look, Marcel came on with us as well. He did his press conference and then he came on after Rick. And, and you know, he, he basically said, look, I'm not Mr. Personality. Um, he, he, he said that, it, you know, I, I, I am OK playing the role of the bad guy. Someone has to do it in pro football for sure, because there's no doubt when you've got non-guaranteed contracts, um, you you have to be a little bit ruthless in that role. And I I think Marcel can accept that role. So that's one thing. But, you know, this is still something where this has been a destination, I think, the last few years, just because of the interest of of the, the fans it's a, it's a great city for football. It's a great city, I think, for someone that, you know, wants to live in an affordable city that is into football and, and is a great city as well. So it kind of checks a lot of the boxes, but they have to make sure that it continues to be a destination for players, that players want to continue to to play here, that coaches want to continue to to, to come here. I, I look at a guy like a Mark Nelson. I mean, he was the defensive coordinator. He's been here since day one, right. got demoted as defensive coordinator and he stayed, he stayed on, he signed an extension to be the linebackers coach. Now, a lot of that I think is probably, um, you know, loyalty to, to, to Rick and working with Rick in the past, but obviously there are a lot of people that, that 
even through tough circumstances, ended up, you know, wanting to be here. Sherrod Baltimore is another guy that he was the team's rookie of the year in 2017, started on the practice roster in 2018, and then had five interceptions in his last five games and helped this team get to a Grey Cup. And and he wanted to sign here and did sign here. So there's there's a lot of different instances of of people that absolutely love it here. Brad Sinopoli and, and the four other Canadians that they announced on Friday that, that have re-signed here. Sinopoli for two years. So so those are some good signs. But uh, this, this team was, for me, in the last six years of the CFL, it's this team and the Montreal Alouettes of 2017 that have been the worst just in terms of non-competitive. So they've got a lot of work to do. They have to bring in an offensive coordinator. Obviously now you need a head coach. You need uh, a number one quarterback. You need some better receivers, whether it's one or two, uh, and you can slot your Sinopolis and and some of those players further down. Uh, But you need at least one, if not two premium receivers. You, You need, you know, probably some playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. So there is a lot of work to be done here and they have to, be sure that they put their best foot forward and that, you know, candidates want to come here. I think that's always been one of the strengths uh, of Ottawa. Right. But uh, they have to ensure that that doesn't slide. And, and for Marcel Desjardins, I think he knows that. He's got one year left on his contract. He knows it's put up or shut up time. This is a massive offseason for this franchise, but also for Marcel as well. And he knows he has to get this right. Hey, we're we're tight for time today, and, and we know so are you because you're doing a lot of stuff. Let me ask one real simple question here to wrap this baby. How much is this going to hurt fan perception? Because it's taken a long time for the fans to fall in love with the Canadian Football League again, and they've done that in Ottawa. So how much of a how much of a mark is this shit show going to leave on the fans and on the franchise? It's a great question, and I, I think in the end, it's all about who's going to be signed, who's the head coach, right? I mean, you know, I'm I'm as disappointed as anybody. I wanted to see both Marcel and Rick back, you know, just from a personal standpoint. But um, you know, Rick's, you know, he's going to be a hot commodity. He's going to end up, you know, I'm sure he'll probably have multiple opportunities this off season elsewhere in, in the CFL. He'll, he'll get another job, no problem. So um, I, I think it depends on just what they're able to do. If they bring in, you know, a, a really good quarterback and someone that, that sounds like he's a promising head coach, whether he's been in the league before as a head coach, I mean, it's going to be someone with CFL experience. That's for sure. Right. The question is, is it going to be, you know, a, a Paul Lapolis, a Tommy Condell, a Ryan Dinwiddie coordinator type that, that moves up to head coach. And of course, Lapolis has been a head coach before, or is it going to be someone that, you know, maybe is already in a head coaching chair that, um, that, that ends up on the market. So um, coach hire is huge. Quarterback is huge. They, they need some star power. Uh, they, they need to go out and get, I mean, I don't know if it's a Darrell Walker or, um, you know, certainly a Nick Arbuckle at quarterback. I mean, you need some star power because what happened here last offseason was a bit of a double whammy. They lost not only key players, but people that were fan favorites in the community with Sir yeah. Vincent Rogers, William Powell, Trevor Harris, and Greg Ellingson. So, I mean, all four won great cups and, and three of those guys, um, you know, had, had been to three great cups 
in, in four years. So it was a double whammy because not only did you lose a bunch of games, but you lost a lot of your fan favorites. They have to go out and make a splash and bring in some big names. Um, and, and and that, I think, would help. But it's it's going to be twofold, right? It's it's going to be that, and you you have to go out and win. So Absolutely, I, I think you know that that they they could have survived one or the other last season, right? You could survive losing your stars if you still go out and win. Right. And I think you can probably sur- survive a bad season if you still have your stars, but to lose both, that was tough. Ah. And now they need not only the splash in terms of some big names but they have to follow it up and be a good football team again. Hey, listen, thanks for your time today. We, we know it's been crazy, and you've been on the air already for a ton of hours talking about this with your press conference. Thanks, and we'll check in when things are a little happier, okay? <laughs> always, a, always a happy day talking, talking to you guys. So, All right, AJ. Uh, thanks, thanks, man. AJ. Yeah, my pleasure. So there you go. That's AJ Jakubik, the play-by-play radio voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks, not a happy time in the nation's capital. Coming up, Gene Principe from from Sportsnet. I wonder what Gene's going to say, and will it be will it be framed as a pun? You what, think? I'm just wondering. We'll get to that when we come back right here on the Outsiders. Pro-Am Sports is Edmonton's home for sports and entertainment memorabilia. Featuring unique collectibles and apparel, we've got you and your fan cave covered. Pro-Am Sports, located in Edmonton at 12728 St. Albert Trail and proamsports.ca. Gene Principe joining us on The Outsiders today. Gino, how you doing? Hey, good, good, guys. Bryn, Robin, Outsiders. I like it. I like that combination, that you, title. You were an insider on with The Outsiders. <laughs> well, I'm not as inside. Sometimes uh, I got uncles who, not so much now, but when Kevin Lowe was the GM, I've got uncles, you know, telling me, you should tell him to do this. You should tell him <laughs> to do that. And I'm like, I don't like have an. I don't sit beside him and have an office beside him. And even when... Uh, of course, being Italian, when Peter Shirelli was the GM, they figured I could just, you know, kind of over some, uh, you know, prosciutto and a, and a cappuccino, we could talk over trade ideas. But it didn't quite uh, didn't quite work like that. Peter, Peter, have a sandwich. We need to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny though. Like honestly, when he got hired um, right away, first of all. My parents were like, it's not, it, you know, it's like Emma Shirelli, it's Garelli. Garelli is the way they would say it back in the old country. But as you guys know, come over, people come over, and whether you're Finnish or Swedish, the names get kind of, uh, well, you know, changed yes. or North Americanized. So that was one of them. And then my mom would always say, well, did you just say the Grimaldi? So she would say, Ashley is from Grimaldi, which is a small town in Italy. And I'm like, my, he's not. Like, you know, Peter was very, you know, business-like, and we didn't have a lot of opportunities to just sort of uh, socialize. But the Italian community was, you know, since Fernando Pisani, I think he was the sort of the, the, the biggest Italian attraction uh, to the others. Of course, Andrew, you know, Cogliano, Cogliano. So the Italian community, like any community, sort of connects with 
uh, someone of their own when they end up being involved with the orders in any way, shape, or form. Well, it's funny because for the longest time when I worked with Brian Hall at CJCA on the Eskimo broadcast, and Halsey was always Louis Pesaya. And yeah, right. That's and, right. And everybody used to just make fun of Brian, like, oh, my God, he's bastardizing another name and everything. <laughs> and, and so one, di- one time I had a chance to talk to Louis, and I said, hey, yeah. listen, and I didn't do this on the air because I didn't want to, you know, embarrass Brian or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I said, is it Pisaglia or is it Pisaglia? He said the G is silent like in lasagna. Halsey's actually yeah. correct, but yes. it's turned no, that's, into that's Louis right. Pisaglia. <laughs> yeah, right. The, the G is, is, is silent. I mean, I'm one to talk. My name, if, if you're in Italy, it's Principe. Right. Yeah. So say what? Principe is, 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 yeah, exactly. What? It's Principe. I mean, so, but you come over here and it, it just sort of gets changed a little bit. But anyways, uh, yeah, uh, it was, it's interesting when, whether uh, it doesn't matter the, uh, whether you're, you know, like the German, uh, the German people of Edmonton now have, you know, connected with Leon. It's, it's, it's a natural, right? When you yeah. get situations like that, I mean, it's just, kind of the way it works so you're proud of of the oilers and you're proud of certain people who have uh, you know a common background or a culture that you have gino before we get talking about the oilers and it's weird because before we taped earlier this morning uh we uh robin and i were outside just grabbing some fresh air and somehow we got talking about my start at cjsr on the campus at the university of alberta Mark Spector was there. Morley Scott was there. Oh my yeah. God! It's a it's a list of characters. Yeah. You're also one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, I graduated high school in 1984 from St. Joe's, and I tried to get into Nate in September of '85 and didn't get in. And one of the things that they said I needed to do was to to get a little bit of volunteer work. And back in those days, you could actually volunteer. Um, and we were lucky that I got to volunteer at CJSR and the other volunteering I did was a QC TV. Um, and, uh, John Short's son, Michael Short had a, uh, kind of like an outdoor type show. Um, and it was a half hour show and it was that, and it wasn't Kijiji back then. It was called swap shop. And I, I ran the audio board. Uh, for those two shows, and that's kind of how I got uh, enough of a resume, along with going back and redoing English Thirty because I needed a higher mark. Yeah. Um, so those those kind of combinations uh, ended up being two or three of the big reasons that I ended up getting into college. But I remember going in and reading uh, Premier League uh, scores, uh, you know, on weekend mornings, and it was just yeah, like to think of of, of those very very humble humble opportunities and beginnings that, that have led, you know, many of us, uh, and we use CJSR as an example. Uh, Robin has his own experiences that allow you to get to the point where you're going, hey, this is going pretty well now for me. Well, yeah, everybody's got a road to where, you know, they're, they're going, yeah. Gina. I mean, I remember when you first came on the scene, um, but I remember you reading sports. I remember you doing uh, other things. Uh, seeing a YouTube clip, I think, from Winnipeg, of all places. You had the nice flow of them, too, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> and here's the thing. I, I, I laugh a bit because you talk about roles in the media. You know, Bryn and I are sitting here. We call ourselves the outsiders. Well, I spent decades trying to be 
the insider writing the beat where you're always looking for a story and and you're looking to break news and when you do uh uh it, it, it's a lot of fun you your position now as host on the broadcasts that's a completely different gig you've 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 played it straight before you've you've uh, had different roles i still can't believe people look and go oh that gene principe how can he be taken serious as a journalist he's wearing a hot dog outfit or he's, <laughs> he's like there's some differences there's different roles in this gig yeah. not everybody's trying to get the story do you ever you have some fun with that when people just don't seem to get it yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny, Robin, you, when you were on the beat, I mean, you, uh, you were the old kind of journalist, hard news, looking for breaking stories. And I remember when you broke the story and, and it's a shame, uh, because at the time it would have been, it, well, it was a big story, but the, the avenues to, to relay them to the public weren't there like they are now, mm-hmm. uh, with social media, Facebook, uh, you know, in, you know, Instagram or especially Twitter. I find Twitter is mostly more news related. Uh, but I remember when you found out that Doug Wade was going to be named captain. <laughs> I remember Glenn say they're not being very happy with you, yeah. uh, so, uh, because you, you, you broke the story back then you actually could, you know, more often than not hide stories, but thanks to guys like you, uh, who dug and found out and talked to people and made phone calls, you're able to break some big stories for me. I mean, I am who I am and I, I do what I do. I, don't think that I can't do, uh, you know, difficult stories or, or news stories. I just have sort of taken the approach of being a little more, um, you know, lighthearted and, and trying to have some fun. But I, I do believe that, uh, that I can still do the other stuff when necessary. As I, mm-hmm. as I say to people, if there's a, there's a tough story to be had, I may not be leading the way with the questions, but I'm also not backing off from, from doing it. So it's, I think you hit the nail on the head, uh, Raman, you know, roles, everyone, I, I don't think we'd want everyone to have the same role in, in media, in cities covering in this case, you know, the Oilers and the Eskimos, you want a variety of roles. Otherwise yep. you end up with the same thing from the same guys every day. But Gino, part of being a broadcaster or a writer with longevity is I, I equate it to driving a truck and you've got to shift gears constantly to be able to to broadcast the intro of an Oilers game in as Gene as uh, as Robin mentioned in a hot dog outfit is <laughs> is great and fun or dress up as St. Patrick one of the leprechauns or whatever but there's right. also a different gear that you have the ability to change to because that's why you've been around so long for example let's use the humble bronco bus crash that wasn't an easy story to cover for a lot of of reporters you can also do that kind of story and have shown it time after time. Yeah, I think, you know, Bryn, most of the time, uh, and that's, you know, an, an extreme case of going, I remember that day, uh, the, the night before, it was my daughter's actually 17th birthday on April 6th of, of that year, and uh, she actually said to me, Dad, there's this bus crash, and I, I you know, I knew it was big, but I didn't realize how big the next morning our boss is like, you got to go to you got to go to Humboldt and or Saskatoon as I split it with Roger millions. Who's, you know, a veteran broadcaster as we split the story. And I was kind of like, yeah, I, I said, no problem. I said, you know, I, it was the last game of the Sedin's career in Edmonton that night. Uh, and they're like, we don't care, right? You got to go. We'll cover that off somehow. And, uh, 
that was very difficult. Uh, you know, and then the follow-ups to the trial and, you know, the follow-up to the, you know, being in, in the gymnasium where they had the trial and the victim impact statements, uh, listening to among others, uh, you know, uh, Chris and Andrea Joseph talk about Jackson. I mean, you know, there's no hot dog suits. There's no St. Patty's day. There's no puns. There's no fooling around. It's, it's the hardest of news that we would prefer never to have to cover. And uh, I think in our careers, guys, as you guys have, you, you shift gears and you deal with, you know, sometimes you're neutral and sometimes you're in first and trying to get into second and third. Hey, and I have gone in reverse too, uh, where things have gone a bit backwards, but you just, you just kind of find a way to find your way. And uh, luckily 32 and a half years later, after getting into and getting out of Nate. I'm, I'm, I'm still doing it and loving it. And uh, hopefully I can do it for a few years more, but it's been great to adapt uh, to the styles, to the technology, to how, you know, everything has changed, you know, for in the decades that we got going to where we are now. Well, Gene, I got to say, since we've got you on, there was a lot of awful uh, good work uh, done out of Humboldt under the, the most horrible circumstances. You know, I, I watched every minute and listened to everything I could. You know, uh, Ryan Rashog from TSN, a whole bunch of people yeah. that we know. That's a tough story, and that's on the extreme end of the spectrum because, let's face it, yeah. you get into sports to cover games, yeah. to cover the personalities, who wins, who loses, something like this. People, the cliche is, you know, it lends perspective. Uh, for me, it, it's the perspective is already there. There's life and there's sports, but it's a tough thing to cover. Um, to shift gears, as we've been saying, it can be a tough thing for you to do what you do, keeping it lighthearted as a host when a team like the Oilers has struggled as mightily as they have for a long time, save uh, three years ago when they made the playoffs. Talk about being around the team this year and what you see, because look, you're going to deliver what you deliver anyway. It's got to make everybody's job easier to have guys enjoying some success and starting to feel confident and get results. Yeah, no, great way to put it, Robin. Uh, you know, any of us who've covered the team or Bryn once worked for the team, uh, you know, it, it, it's difficult when things aren't going well, you know, you go to the office every day and every day it seems no matter how hard you work at the end of the day, you haven't, you know, hit your sales target or, you know, haven't talked to enough people. You haven't accomplished what you set out to do. And so this season, it, I mean, it's been great. And I think I, I see it, uh, you know, on the ice, I see it in the interviews during intermissions and post game. And I see it, uh, where you guys have seen it on the bus, on the plane, at the hotel. I mean, guys are, are happy because the team is succeeding and it makes what we do, um, you know, a lot, it, it's easier, but it's just more enjoyable because, you know, I, I think when you go through the difficulties that uh, some of these players have gone through and the organization's gone through, you know, sometimes you're not sure what angle you're after or what you're trying to do, um, uh, you know, until you explain yourself, they're like, oh, okay, you know, no problem. Uh, uh, you know, and I'm one of those guys, the stories that I tell often uh, involve getting, you know, photos of, of guys, you know, let's say in the off season, they were doing whatever as a pastime. Hey, could you, could you get, you know, me some photos of that? And mm -hmm. so, you know, they got to trust you, I guess is, is the big thing. And when things aren't going well, 
Um, you know, there's a little bit of uncertainty, but I think through through time, since I've been there since 1998, uh, you know. They start to trust you, and then I think that trust in Brennan and Raman, I think it gets kind of passed on because newcomers arrive and they do their own due diligence and speaking to other players or they see how other players treat you or act around you. And I think they start to go, okay, I think this guy, like you guys, you know, he's okay. We can, you know, we can talk to him. We can trust him. We can know that he's attempting to do something that's good. And so uh, that's my role. I'm, I listen, when the team is losing, everybody knows it. I don't need to start an opening of a broadcast saying the Oilers have lost five in a row and that, you know, their power plays 25th. So I, my pro- approach was always, what can we find that's positive? How can we turn it into lighthearted? Because generally I'm the first person they see mm-hmm. uh, to start a broadcast. And I want to, I want to reel them in, uh, you know, not make them go, hmm, I don't really think I want to stick around for all that sort of bad news or, or negativity. Well, Gino, you can tell this season because guys seem to be way more, it's almost like they're running to, to an interview with you now as opposed to be maybe having their guard up a little bit. And that's, I guess, the growth that you're seeing of the younger guys developing into more mature players. But also, it's just the atmosphere of the team, is it not? Oh, totally. You know, and I, I think that, um, you know, it's been well documented, the coaches and general managers have been through this city. Uh, but I think, you know, with these two particular guys, uh, in this day and age, it seems like uh, sometimes experience isn't all it's cut out to be when you're, when you're uh, you know, looking for a new job or people kind of look at you going, oh, you know, he's been around maybe too long. But I don't think that's the case with Ken Holland and Dave Tippett. I've been very, I mean, I was always impressed with Ken Holland. Uh, I didn't get to know Dave as much, but he's been fantastic, and I, I think he really has has got them going. And I and I know that I look at the way Leon has started and Connor and and James Neal, and and uh, sometimes you know people wonder, well, how are they going to play better defense and still put up points and still score goals? Well, they're they're proving that they're able to do that. And so I think when those two guys were hired, that gave everyone a sense of a sense of calm. And listen, uh, you know, you kick off the season. Everyone's happier when when the team is succeeding the way they are. And so I, I just think that everyone's just feeling good about it. And especially because of, you know, the the, the way things have gone for the last 10, 11, 12, 13 years. Uh, that uh, there's a lot of people in this city and a lot of other fans all over the world, as you guys know, that have been waiting for success. They had a, a glimpse of it a couple of playoffs ago, and it looks like they, they kind of got some more of it this season. Well, Gene, you've seen, you, you know, you've been around long enough now to have seen it all, uh, some lean times, uh, you know, some good times. It's a lot more fun to work in this business. Uh, you know, when the team is having success, everybody's got their degree of separation, whether they're a rights holder, whether they're expected to lean on the positive side, whether their role is a beat writer or a show host as, as, as you are. Uh, you know, I don't miss, I, I miss breaking stories. I don't miss the road, the traveling with our son at home now and all that. But I tell you what, um, things change, but some things remain the same. I know Gene Principe, the unofficial mayor of Little Italy, is going to show up in a goofy costume every once in a while. And I just enjoy the fact that now it's a little bit easier to do that shtick than uh, putting on some goofy outfit when they've lost 10 in a row there. Uh, this looks like it could be a pretty good season. 
Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, uh, Rob. And I, you know, I think for for uh, a few years, um, you know, you want to give someone who's watching at home something to laugh about. And mostly, you know, one of the things I've, I've always attempted to do, I've always had, you know, to, to laugh with the players, never at them, mm-hmm. um, you know, never to, to make fun of a player. Um, so when things are going well like this, it's, it kind of ties hand in hand because people, I think, turn on the TV and start watching the game with a smile on their face already. You know, it's already kind of there, and you just try and build off it a little bit. Uh, where before, I think people were turning on, and, you know, I'm not saying they, they were frowning, but they just were kind of going, you know, what's going to happen tonight? You know, what? how are we going to see how the Oilers do in a difficult situation after they've lost another game or another few games? So, for sure, everything is is easier and, and lighter. And, you know, now what I do is what I do. And it's kind of what people expect, uh, whether good, bad, or indifferent, that's sort of what they're, uh, I don't know if they want it, but it's what they sort of are <laughs> kind of thinking, okay, this is what he's going to do. Let's see. Let's see what tonight brings. Right. Yeah. So we just kind of keep doing it till I, till someone says, you know, sometimes the bosses go, Hey, you know, like, you know, take it back a notch, and certainly for Hockey Night in Canada and hometown hockey and our national games, it's it's we. I don't do that kind of stuff, but when it's a little more regional and stuff, it gives me, um, you know, a little opportunity to to do some things that I find very creative for me, and I hope that at least a few people enjoy. See, when you were in Philadelphia, I think it was last year, you and Gritty worked well together, but yes. Kyle Bacoskis this weekend, did you see what yeah, happened to him? Yeah, wasn't that great? I, th- <laughs> I thought it was fantastic, but you know what it did to me is it showed me that he's got a little different side to him than just giving it out to me straight. I thought he yes. handled it spectacular. Yeah, no, I agree, and Kyle, I mean, I was, at his age, I was barely, I was happy enough to tie my shoes uh, the right way. And here he is, this kid's already, you know, working hockey night in Canada. And, and you know, the sky is truly the limit uh, for a kid who's, you know, still only in his, you know, early to mid-20s. And yeah. I thought it was great. And I think that, you know, that's what sometimes people say to me about puns. I said, lots of people can do puns. I just choose to do them a lot and sometimes too much. Um, it's, you know, we have it, we have it in us. And it was nice to see Kyle who is, uh, you know, very, uh, not an old soul, but I mean, he delivers kind of in the old style, right? Yes. He gives you the facts and he's very good at it and a good storyteller. Um, but it was a chance to see another side of him, a side that I think, you know, we all have to some extent. It's just, it's sometimes difficult for people to show that on a, regional or national stage or whatever, but I I thought he was great with Gritty, uh, you know, on the weekend. Gene, I've got to ask one thing uh, for me before we let you go. Do you miss those between-periods television interviews we used to do? (laughs) You know what, Robert, I was thinking of those. (laughs) You know what, I remember we used to do those with the Edmonton Sun. We used to do kind of a little, I don't know, uh, maybe not coach's corner, but columnist's corner. And uh, we used to do those, and those were great because, again, you know, listen, I do what I do, but it doesn't mean that I don't have my own opinions and I don't think this about the power player, think that about the penalty killer, think, you know, I, but the, people aren't watching me to find that out, but people were watching you and reading you, Robin, to hear about um the things that you did best, which was to tell stories and to break news. And so I, I did enjoy doing those. Those are actually uh, quite a lot of fun. Uh, and we, you know, now we, 
I think one of the evolutions in, in, in hockey, especially I think in all sports, I don't remember panels being so um, popular and so in the forefront, you know, having your studio host with two or three guys, um, you know, nowadays, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, it's, it's just such a big part of the, the programming uh, to go along with the, the live event. But, yeah, those are some good times back then with you, and I think Rob Titskowski used to do a few. Uh-huh. That's, uh, that's about maybe 15 years ago, I would say, or approximately that amount of years ago. Survive that. Now, now G, did. did you notice how my television career took off after that? <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I see that as, as you're doing a podcast. Yeah, I see how well it went. <laughs> There's only so much you can do. Hey, before we let you go, and we know you got to get into a production meeting here, what are the two things that have made the Oilers more successful this year, in your opinion? Are there two things you can list off quickly? Well, I think for sure goaltending. Yeah, okay. Um, yep. I think that would be number one. And I, I think team play or team focus. You know, I don't want to say it's just – defense, but I, it's just playing as a team. I mean, it's something that Dave Tippett said he was going to make this team do, uh, and and they're doing it. So those would be the two th- I mean, I could point to Drysdale and McDavid, but they were they were really good last year, and we know how the team did. So I'm going to say those two things, and then two, two B and C would be uh, Leon and Connor as well. I can't disagree, and special teams for me, too. They, uh, they, yeah. they, they had ample opportunity in Pittsburgh on Saturday to blow that game uh, yeah. just by their penalty kill, but their penalty kill was very, very solid. So, hey, Gino, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Uh, sorry we haven't talked to you sooner, and we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds great, Outsiders. Yeah, Gene, keep asking the tough questions and have pun, eh? <laughs> your honor, I will, Robert. And, and we'd relish more of your hot dog costumes, yeah. too, okay? Hey, yeah, yeah, you can catch up. Yeah, and you can cut the mustard. Okay, now that's enough. <laughs> See you, boys. Okay, Gene. Thanks, See you, man. <laughs> wow. Are you okay over there? Everything all right? Well, as long as you don't have a stroke again while you're trying to do the... You know what? I got to tell you. <laughs> if we ever have any outtakes, it's generally me, not you. I've noticed. Uh, anyway, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. And it's been an interesting one. A.J. Jakubik from TSN 1200 joining us, talking about Rick Campbell's sudden departure from the Ottawa Red Blacks. And also Gene Principe from Sportsnet giving us a little bit of insight onto what Gene is all about and also a little bit of a conversation about the Edmonton Oilers. Whew, that one, uh, that was, uh, that one, one, that went pretty quick today. Did you not think so? Well, yeah, it was pretty quick and pretty heavy. Um, you listen to the interview that Rick Campbell did with AJ. You can hear the emotion in his voice. There's big trouble uh, in Ottawa. Uh, you know, aside from what we talked about today, you can go back five days to a post-media article by Tim Baines. I would suggest people do it. Uh, Marcel Desjardins was criticized heavily uh, by... Henry Burris, who was with that team, and if there's a culture problem there, and I know people don't like that term, it gets overused, but if it starts with the GM and he's the problem, man, you got some house cleaning to do. So this is going to develop 
and is going to be worth uh, staying on top of. Let's watch to see where it goes. Hey, we have to tell everybody that you're more than welcome to email us your comments. We would love to hear from you. It's a real simple email address. It is mightymouth at shaw.ca. Yeah, we'll take positive comments. Yeah, we'll take negative comments. Generally, it's positive. In fact, I can't even even remember seeing a negative comment. But hey, we're we're big boys. We can take it. We've uh, we've done the media wars. We uh, we can have people call us pretty much anything, and we we've endured. And here's where we are today doing this. Well, we got a dozen in the books now, Brandon. Yeah. If you think there's something we're doing well, we're happy to hear it. But more important, if there's something you would like to hear, it might be a feature, it might be a segment, it might be just a tweak to the show. Uh, let us know. Yeah, That's the only way uh, we make changes because if you don't tell us it's not perfect, we just keep doing what we're doing. You know, the show could go longer, it could go shorter. It all just depends on what direction you want to go. I know one thing, we do this once a week, and Rob and you and I have talked about this. When you do a podcast once a week as opposed to a show or a podcast that does it every single day, it forces us to speak more in generalities than specifics. We can't get too wound up about lineup changes or any of the really specific stuff because it could be out of date by tomorrow. So which is why one of the reasons why we, when we get guests on, and I'll use Ray Ferraro as an exa- example, Ray Ferraro could talk to us about what's happening in hockey today until the cows come home, but we went down a different road with him. We tried to find out a little bit more about who Ray is. Same with Chris Cuthbert, uh, Darren Drager, Bob Stoffer, you know, today with Gene Principe. So, so we're trying to go a little different route, but we, we would love to hear your feedback. So please drop us a note at mightymouth@shaw.ca. Also tell your friends, retweet it if you get an opportunity. Also subscribe or hit the RSS button on your feed, on your favorite ear candy. And that way, when we release a new podcast, you get it right away. And by the way, by all means, if you would like to hear us five days a week and have a ton of sponsorship dough to make that happen, (laughs) please write in and let us know. Absolutely. We'd be all over that. It's real simple. Robin, thanks for your time. That's episode number 12. See you next time. Yeah, 13 on the way. Keep it right here. Recorded earlier because we were ashamed to do it now.